Foodies Talk History. I am your host Matt and with me as always is my co-host Lorna. Hello. If you've never listened to the podcast before, we both uh, do a report on a similar topic connected by a theme. We don't know what each other's topic is, we just know a keyword that links uh, the two um, mm-hmm. reports. I hope that and makes sense. Focus on history. So the focus this week is on what, Lorna? Um, well, the theme that I gave you was Civil War. Very specific. It's not... The... I feel like our other ones have been like space, photography. Disney. Disney, um... yeah. Maybe that's quite specific, but uh, Civil War. It's not not that sp- There's like There's a lot you could have got from that, though. There's quite a few Civil Wars. There is. So this is what I was going to ask you about. So did you... S- were you looking for a specific topic? How did you come across... Oh, I read about this in a book, and Ah, then I had to think about a theme to give you. Right, because whenever I then searched Civil War, it came up with... America. America. Like, everything I typed in, like, like questions about the Civil War just came up about American Civil War. But that's because that's called the Civil War, whereas other wars are called different names, so you have to figure out the names. Yeah, so then I looked at related, and all the related Civil Wars were just... You could have done Spanish. I could have. There was lots of battles um, in the American Civil War, and then the only other civil war that was in, you know, the related bit of Google was the English Civil War. Oh, I knew that was coming then. Um, and I had a look. Such a cliche. I had a look into that, but uh, I didn't fancy that. But uh, I'll tell you in a little while what I did fancy. Okay. So, do you want to go first with your topic? Yes. So, um, I'll talk a bit about the war in a bit. It's very, very broad and confusing, so I've done my best. Okay. Oh, this is, sounds good. Um. So, but first, I'm going to tell you about an area. So, one of Japan's three hidden valleys is called the West Aya Valley, and it's home to um, misty gorges, clear rev- rivers, and thatched roof ho- roofed houses. Roofed, roofed, <laughs> thatched roofed houses. Um, it's quite remote and difficult to enter, and it was favoured as a hideout of refugees, bandits, and disgraced warriors. So to get to the Aya River, um, it's you have to go through quite rough terrain. So um, there's now like been roads built, but previously you have to cross an unsteady type of bridge, which is called a vine bridge. Um, it was created by the bandits, warriors, and locals. So it's a specific kind of bridge made of vines. Yes. Don't sound safe. Apparently it's very unsteady, very mm. wobbly. Um, no one's sure exactly who first created these bridges that cross, because they cross the Naya River. So to get to the valley, you have to cross the river um, on the vine bridges. So mm-hmm. no one's sure who created them. Uh, one of the most popular theories is that um, they were created by a spiritual figure called Kobo Daishi. He was the founder of Shingon Buddhism. Um, so it's assumed that when travelling in the area, he came up with this form of bridge. Um, as an impromptu solution. The other school of thought around where these bridges came from is that they were originally the work of the legendary Hake refugees who would have built the bridges while fleeing from the Genji clan um, in search of a safe place to settle down. Um, So the idea is that the bridges can be easily cut down so that it's impassable for enemies Mm. because if you see an enemy coming, you'll cut the bridge down and they'll fall to the river. Quite clever but also mm-hmm. quite sad because he spent, spent a lot of time building this bridge and he just cut it 
Longer. I know, I know, but they did what they had to do. So, to create the bridges, two wisteria vines. This is a particularly aggressive and tough vine that climbs around everything. Uh, they're grown to extraordinary lengths on either side of the river, and once they've reached a sufficient length, they're woven together and plank uh, planking, like wooden planks, was woven into them at eight to twelve inches apart. So there's no handles. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Um, oh right, okay, that's interesting. Local artisans have continued to keep the bridges alive, but the number of bridges have dwindled to to three. But these still exist today, and they're now reinforced with steel. But you can still go and see them. Um, and the bridges must be remade with the vines every three years. So it's a constant what, process. What would happen? They just snap. Or? No, just to reinforce it, I think. And the vines would go weak. I think, yeah. So due to its isolation, the Aya Valley was the refuge of members of the Hake clan, as I said before, but this is also known as the Tyra clan. I'll refer to it in this report as the Tyra clan. Um, it's one of four great clans that dominated Japanese politics between 194 and 1185. And this is known as the Heian period. So for like a thousand years. Yeah. Have we spoke about these before? I don't think so. Did I mention these? No, maybe not. I yeah, don't think in... we've spoken about Japan before, have we? Yeah, I did Murasaki Shikibu. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned um, this. Was this the ruling um, family? No. Yeah, so the, there's four great clans which are all competing for power. So there's the Tyra clan. Is that just clan in this also... area? Or no, in Japan. Japan. Okay. So there's the Tyra clan, um, also known as the Hate clan. There's the Minamoto clan. Um, there is, and there's another two, but I can't remember the name of them. I didn't jot them down. Okay. So the Tyra clan that were refugees on the Aya Valley were they hid there to escape the enemy, which was the Minamoto clan in one hundred one thousand one hundred and eighty one. Um, and this hiding was part of the Genpai War. So there's a lot of names getting mixed mm. in this one, which is why it's a bit of a struggle. So, Genpai War. Yeah. Never heard of it. So the Genpai War took place between 1180 and 1185. So it's an eight-year battle. And it's during the late Heian period. Oh, five-year <laughs> battle. <laughs> it was during, during the late Heian period. Yeah, Heian is the, what I talked about in mine, in the Murasaki Shikibu. What was the book called that she wrote? Uh, Tale of Genji. It weren't called The Tale of the Hake. Mm, don't think so. Okay. I don't think so because this is that one's not written by just one person, so. Mm. Um Yeah, so it'll be around the same period. So it's a conflict between the Taira clan and the Minamoto clan. Uh, it's known in Japan as the Jiso Juai War. And this was named after the two imperial eras which it took place. The issue is, I think, is that a lot of things are written in Japanese and then when they're translated, they have different names for things. Yeah. So, like, the Tyra clan's known as the Tyra clan and the Hate clan. And we've been told it's the Heian period, but the two imperial eras is Jiso and Juai. So I don't know. There's a lot of words. There is a lot of words, yeah. Uh, the conflict was started through a coup d'etat by the Tyra in 1179. And love a coup d'etat. In response, the, the Minamoto clan had a call to arms in 1180, and this meant they went to war. So it followed decades-long conflicts between the two clans over dominance of the imperial court. Mm -hmm. So um, 
if you dominated the imperial court, by extension, you dominated Japan. So that's mm. what they're looking for. The Minamoto clan had tried to co- gain control from the Taira clan in earlier decades rebellions called the Hogan Rebellion and the Haiji Rebellion. In both of these, they've been unsuccessful. So currently, the Tyras are in control. Who are we rooting for in this war? I don't know. I'm undecided. Mm. It's pretty dramatic. So, I've said what prompted the calls to arms. So, there was an abdication of an emperor, um, Emperor Takakura, and then a boy who was two years old called Antoku was placed on the throne by the military leader of the Tyra clan. Never ends well. So, this is where the coup d'etat is that... Someone abdicated, they put someone on the throne. A young toddler. A two-year-old, yes. And um, so the so the Tyras are in control, they've put someone on the throne and they're looking out for this Antoku. But the son of a previous emperor um, was called Machihito and he'd um, felt he was being denied his right to the place on the throne. So his father was emperor before the one that abdicated. Right. Um, so he thought he was being denied his right to the throne and he went to the Minamoto clan. He went specifically to a Minamoto warrior called Yorimasa um, for support. And in response, they sent a call to arms to all members of the clan and Buddhist monasteries in May. But unfortunately, this then resulted in their own deaths because they called for this call to arms and the Tyras responded. Mm. The leader of the Tyra clan... Um, in response, moved the seat of imperial power to the centre of Tyra, and this was to keep the royal family and the control of Japan close to him. What do you mean by the centre of Tyra? So, like, where, they're, they're where they were based. Right, okay. Um, so, the rift between the Tyras and the Minamotas grew massively. Um, the Tyras were quick to respond, and the first battle was the Battle of Uji, um, apparently this was dramatic and the end of the battle resulted in the ritual suicide of Yorimasa, the Minamoto warrior, and it resulted in the capture of Mochihito um, and he was quickly executed. He was the one who thought he'd been denied his right to the throne. So the um, the guy, the first guy, Yor- Yorimasa, Yorimasa, was the Minamoto warrior who started the call to arms. So his ritual suicide was because he got captured or whatever? No, so they're having this battle um, and I think he thought he was going to be captured because they were defeated essentially. Mm -hmm. So um, ritual suicide is the Japanese... um, The form of Japanese ritual suicide is through disembowelment. Um, I know. It's usually reserved for samurais in order to die with honour rather than falling into the hands of the enemies. So is it like you grab your soul and stab it into your stomach? I didn't look into it further, to be honest, because I was pretty unsettled. Ring the bell. So, yeah, so he did that to prevent himself being captured. And at at this time, that form of suicide was reserved just for these samurais. But later on, it spread wider and I think others started using it. So... The, those who started the call to arms have n- are now dead um, and it's started the war. So the war started and then there was a bit of to and fro in somewhat. The Minamoto clan attempted to seek allies, but on their journeys to get to people to say, come and be on our side, they were defeated by the Tyra. And in one of one of these battles was called... Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a good Japanese no, name. Called... Oh, gosh. Ishibashiyama. That's a good name as yeah, well. Yeah, so there's a battle there. Ishibashiyama. Yeah. 
Um, but the Minamoto were successful and they managed to make it to the provinces of Kai and Kozuk where they found allies to repair, repel the Tyra. Um, elsewhere, the leader of the Tyra burnt the city of Nara to the ground in vengeance against the Minamotos. A ring, that rings a, rings a bell, Nara. Um, it's the deer park. Ah. Mm-hmm. Famous park of deers. Yes. Um, so he's... So the Minamoto are attempting to get allies whilst fighting the Tyra. They've been successful in some, and the Tyra are being successful in fighting them and also in acts of vengeance. The fighting continued into the next year, and a common theme is that the Tyras were successful in winning battles, but they failed to follow up on these. So they'd quickly win a battle, but they didn't completely didn't defeat win the them. War. Yeah, they didn't com- completely defeat the Minamotos. In the spring of 1811, the leader of the Tyras died from illness. Japan experienced a famine and the Tyras failed to be successful in an attack against the Minamotos. And it's the result of all this that the fighting ceased for two years. So it resumed in the spring of 1183. So anyway, it's not really a five-year war. They've had a two-year break. It's a three-year war, isn't it? Stop some orange slices in the middle of it. Uh, the emperor, who'd been a supporter of the Tyras, defected, and he now supported the cousin of the leader of the Minamotos. This cousin was called Yoshinaka, and he was trying to take over leadership of the Minamotos by planning an attack on the leader. Right, so, so within this war, the cousin of the Mich- Minamotos. Minamotos wants to take over Yeah, and the kill mini- his cousin. Minimoto? Minimoto. Minimoto clan. And the leader of the the former leader of the Thai Tyras died. Okay, but who was the guy who supported the cousin? The emperor. So the emperor had previously been on the side of the Tyras. So he was a Tyra but he emperor. Defected. So he defected too, but not to the Minamoto. No, but to, to the a, cousin of the Minamoto. To a third. Yeah, very complicated. Yeah, why would he do that in Sasa? Um. I think the Emperor's in a pretty good situation here because he can basically pick who's going to win or who he thinks is going to support him best. So are they not trying to overthrow him, though? No, no, they're trying to put... So they, so when the Tyras put that little boy on the throne, oh, yes. it was because they could control the power. So they want to be close to the Emperor. If the Emperor's is he the Emperor, the... the little boy? I don't think so, no. Wait, no, because he'd be four. What little boy? <laughs> um, he was... I'm not sure. He grew up. Well, oh, he's still he growing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, when didn't you quite say the I didn't read that, but I can't remember it. When you say you put him on the throne, though, isn't that like the, emp- the like, emperor? Yeah, so the little boy became Emperor Antuko. Right, so he's the one who is... But he, he, I don't think he's still the emperor. I think right. I missed out a bit here where he wasn't the emperor. Right, I'll just find okay. out. Oh no, he's still the emperor. So maybe him and his family. I'm assuming he wasn't like leading people. He died at the age of six. Right. So the Tyra controlled the the emperor. Yeah. Which is still Emperor Antoka, which is why I didn't write that there was another emperor. Right. But yes, yeah, so I'm assuming it's his family that defected. So he and he's they've gone and been like, but okay, and then they've gone to support the cousin. Who wants to kill the Minimoto yeah. leader? Oh, oh gosh, I've just read about how he died. Oh, you can let us know about that in a minute. Hmm. Um, you must have good eyesight because you re- your writing is so small on these pages. 
Maybe. That's why you don't have to wear glasses. Um. So, he was. So the the cousin of the leader of the Minamotos was organising an attack so that he could take over the clan, but this was unsuccessful. However, the Minamotos seemed to have support of the emperor. I don't know. Based on what I'm going to say in a minute, I'm not sure if they had actual support or if they were just if they just had control of him. Right. So I'll explain. Um. So during this time. There's a lot of back and forth movement around Japan in the war and the Tyras are trying to set up temporary corps in various locations. Um, and both clans were trying to consolidate their uh, their position on mainland Japan. So they're having to move around constantly and the Tyras are setting up little like temporary courts so that they can still be in control of the imperial power of mm-hmm. the country. Um, the Tyras received... An- then the Tyras received a number of missives from the Emperor explaining that if they surrendered by the seventh day of the second month, the Minamoto could be persuaded to agree to a truce. This is why I don't know if the Emperor actually supported them or if he was just forced into saying this. Right. But either way, this was a lie as there was never an intention of waiting until the eighth day to attack. So this tactic distracted the Tyra leadership. The Minamoto clan then launched their first major assault at Ichi no Tani, and any main entire retreated, but the Minamoto were not prepared to continue their attack, which would require attacking the smallest of the four main islands of Japan called Shikoku. Interesting to note now is that the Aya Valley that I was talking about first is on Shikoku. Right. So if the Taira clan are retreating, that's where our refugees are that are making the vine bridges. Right. On Shikoku. On Shikoku. So yes. who do they support? The Tyras. The Tyras. Yeah. So the Tyras are retreating. They might cut some bridges. Yeah, to, they'll build the, build the bridges to get across the river and then when the Minamoto would come, if they did, they would have cut the bridges. Mm. Um. So the Minamoto weren't prepared to attack Shikoku and this meant there was a six-month delay. In this time, the Tyra had the advantage of now being in home territories and of being more adept at naval conflict because now they're moving towards the islands. Obviously, they're separated by water. Yeah. But it's a bit of a faff that they have a two-year break mid-war and then a six-month um, yeah. break to prepare. Um, so it was almost a year after the Ichi no Tani, the first, not the first, but the big major assault from the Minamotos. I find it weird that they said... We'll attack, you know, seven days for the truce and then we'll, we attack straight away. I understand why they did it to distract them, but then the fact they didn't follow through. Yeah, they weren't prepared for the whole attack. Yeah, seems weird. Well, I think they did attack and defeat, win that battle, mm. but there's still Tyras that managed to get chase away. Them, yeah. Which is the constant problem that the Tyras had. Um, so it was almost a year after this first assault um, that the main Tyra force were at Yashima and they came under another assault. They saw bonfires and did not expect a land attack, so they jumped on board their ships. Um, but this was deceptive from the Minamoto clan, and it led to the Tyra defeat. I think it confused them because they saw bonfires and they were heading to the ships, but I think the Minamotos had been prepared for a naval attack. Right. And that was their initial intention. Um, their improvised imperial palace of the Tyras fell. Because, um, as I said, they'd been setting up temporary court in different places, mm-hmm. and now they've been attacked the war was won decisively by the Minamoto clan in a naval battle called Dan no Yora this took place a month after the initial attack uh, and I've put I guess fighting continued for this time they probably had a break or two you know what they're yeah, like they were, they were 
snack in yeah. between. Uh, this is one of the most famous and significant battles in Japanese history. Oh. The Tides played a big part in the battle and first gave advantage to the Tyras and later the Minamotos. The what? The, the, the tides. tides, yeah. Um, the Minamotos were also helped significantly by the defection of Taguchi, who was a Shikoku warrior, and he left the Tyras in the middle of the battle and decided to join the Minamotos. There's and I imagine of... he took people with him because I doubt one guy made such a big difference. There's a lot of defecting in these clans, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Interesting. The defeat of the Tyra army meant the end of Tyra dominance at capital, but some Tyra refugees survived and continued to live in the Aya Valley, and they sustained those vine bridges. And I think there's still a museum in the Aya Valley with um, stuff left over from the Hike clan, the Tyra clan, when they were hiding there. Um, alongside the defeat of the Tyra and the right so alongside the defeat of the Tyra there was the Kamakura Shogunate um, and this marked the rise of the power of the warrior class the samurai and the gradual suppression of the power of the emperor I didn't really go into that so the Shogunate um, was a period of Japanese feudal military government between 1185 and 1333 so after this, they had a feudal, they had military dictatorships essentially. Um, yeah. The heads of these governments were military dictators, and the first three were members of the Minamoto clan. Right, so that's so, when the samurai. Did you say samurai? Yeah, so it's the rise of the power of the yeah. samurai. And the sort of uh, traditional government leaders sort of their power reduced. Yeah, yeah. So it became military, mm. military focused, and military dictators. In addition, after the war, the colours of the Taira and Minamoto standards were established as Japan's national colours, so red and white. These are now seen in the Japanese flag, in banners and signs, and also in sumo and other traditional activities. I didn't know that, red and white. Mm-hmm. Mm. So one of them had one and one of, the, one of them had the other. Um, there have been major works which depict this conflict, and one of the most famous is The Tale of the Hake. This is an epic account which was compiled prior to 1330. No, it's not the same one. The Tale of the Genji, I think, was like 1010 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was before even these. This yeah, it was before like, this, yeah. Um, so the Tale of the Hake has been translated into English at least five times and published by different people when it's been translated. Mm-hmm. The complete translation is nearly 800 pages. It's a chronicle of the battle in prose and it cannot be attributed to just one single creator. It's the result of differing versions passed down through oral tradition. When written up, it was written in a combination of Chinese and Japanese, a combination that was only mastered by monks. So we've, we don't have records of who's responsible for the story. Right. Or we don't even have records of who's responsible for first writing it down properly. Mm. So that's the story of the... Uh, what war was it? Jiso Jui Japanese War. Is that? Oh, I thought it was or like the Genpai Gen, War. Genpai War. So I think it's known as Genpai, but in Japan it's known as Jiso Jui, which right. is why it gets confusing. It is confusing, isn't it? I think you did a good job of simplifying what can be a very confusing. Uh, yeah, there was war. bits in the middle which took out. I got very confused. Tell us how uh, the emperor died. What happened to him? Right, one sec. <laughs> Ten- Emperor Antoku. In April 1185, his grandmother, who was um, aligned to the Tyra clan, 
took him and plunged him into the water in the Shimo... Shimoneseki, Shimoneseki Straits, drowning the child emperor rather than allowing to be captured, rather than allowing him to be captured by the opposing forces. Who were the opposing forces? The, the Minamoto clan. So he was tired. Okay, and he was six. Yeah. So, but obviously he'd already been in alliance with the Minamoto clan, or someone in his family was, because he's only a child. Mm. Gutted. So he died. Wow. Oh, this was during the Battle of Danno. Or, you know, the naval battle, which was the end. Yeah. So that was during that battle. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So well, that end. was a cheerful end. You asked. I just thought it was interesting because you said it was a quite a nasty way to go out, and it was. Mm, it's not nice, is it? Um, But thanks for it's that It's very report. confusing, sorry. No, no, it was good. It was one of them where I started it and then got most of the way through and was like, probably shouldn't have done this. Mm. So for my topic this week, we're going to stay in, um, well, that was in East Asia. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a there was a war that raged on in Southeast Asia from the 1950s on through the 1970s. Any ideas what that war was? The Vietnamese War. The Vietnam War, um, or the American War if you're in Vietnam, uh, it was from 1955 to 1975. I'm really not surprised you've done this topic. I'm not doing this topic. I just I wanted you to. I just wanted to trick you into thinking I was. So the Laotian, I think it's, is it Laos? How do you pronounce that country? Lao. Lao. Thanks. The Laotian Civil War was fought from either 1953 to 1954 or 1962, depending on who you are. Who, what, uh, and it ended in 1975, so the same year as the Vietnamese War. So it pretty much covered the same period, potentially a little mm-hmm. bit longer. And, Is um, it related? Are yes. they connected? Yes. So the little bit of background on Lao. Uh, Lao had been a French protectorate from 1893 onwards. Basically been colonised, I suppose, by the French. Uh, and the Japanese had briefly occupied uh, Laos in 1945, towards the end of World War Two. but then France uh, got it back after World War Two in 1946. In uh, 1950, Laos got semi-autonomy, uh, and then in 1954, Laos gained full independence as a constitutional monarchy. So, that's sort of the... What year was that? 1954, so this is when the civil war broke out around here. Yeah. That was when civil war broke out between royalists and the communist group, the Patet Lao, or Patet Lao. So, any ideas? Have you ever heard of the Laotian civil war? No. Neither had I until I came across it. So, from the early 1960s, the CIA were training, equipping and supporting local hill tribes uh, chiefly the Hmong, H-M-O-N-G. Don't know how to pronounce it. I'm assuming it is. Sounds right to me. And they were in the uh, the vanguard of anti-communist fighting. So they're basically training the the royalist forces, the people who are going to fight against communists in Laos. Because obviously at the same time, the US are involved in the Vietnamese war, uh, fighting against the the North Vietnamese communist forces. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. 
So the CIA helped to train an army of tens of thousands and supported this army with weapons and food and, and other things. A guy, um, I was looking at, some people have written books about, about this war and, and the US involvement in the Civil War. A guy called Kurlan Zick wrote a book a couple of years ago about the CIA's involvement in Laos, and he said that American leaders um, saw Laos as a, as a place where the US could make a stand to prevent communism from spreading west out of China and North Vietnam into Thailand and India and beyond. So they sort of trying to plug, stop stop communism there. Um, yeah, stopping the supply, the supply, the flow of communism and stopping the supply to North Vietnam. Because, um, I think I mentioned it in a minute, but the Lao was used as a way to get supplies into Vietnam for the communists, uh, like weapons and that sort of thing. So the US focused on Lao as a, as a place to, uh, to stop that. In 1961, when JFK came into power, he was apparently surprised um, at the amount of soldiers and CIA operatives the US had in Laos at that time. He had over 700 um, soldiers and, and operatives in there. In the decade following, the number of CIA contractors there increased by more than 2,000%, and the budget of this operation hit the equivalent of 3.3 billion uh, American dollars in today's money. Oh, I thought you meant back then. I was no, thinking, like, no. I'd hate to think about how much that well, costs today. Still, three, still loads. three billion is is a ton. The US was never officially involved in the war in Laos. How was it not officially involved? Um, by training the Laotians, um, the US could disrupt North Vietnamese operations without direct military involvement. It get they get a bit more involved in a minute. Officially. <laughs> no. So, at the time, most Americans did not know it, um, but during the Vietnam War, between 1964 and 1973, the US bombed Laos. Laos? Laos. I keep saying it wrong. Targeting communist forces which had occupied it. It's called the Ho Chi Minh Trail Corridor for supplies. So, through well, Laos. Why did they bomb it? To stop them. Getting stop, supplies to get them, Yeah. Uh, and it's called the Ho Chi Minh Trail Corridor. The US dropped more bombs on Laos than it did anywhere in all of World War II. In 1969 alone, it dropped more bombs on Laos than it did on Japan throughout World War II. And I read Japan and Germany in another place throughout oh World War II. Uh, I watched about a video about this, um, the US's involvement in this and sort of the legacy and the, the way it's disrupted life since then. About 2 million tonnes of bombs were dropped um, during this nine-year period, 1964 to 73. Uh, during that nine-year period, a plane load of bombs were dropped every eight minutes, 24 hours a day. Oh, my gosh. Over 50,000 people were killed during that period. Um, and I read that the war in general left 200,000 uh, Laotians dead, which was a tenth of the population, uh, including uh, 30,000 uh, Hmong. The, uh, the you know the hill mm -hmm. tribes that they were supporting. Seven hundred twenty-eight Americans died during the war as well. Nothing. The war in Laos engaged an estimated uh, seventy thousand North Vietnamese soldiers who would have otherwise been fighting in Vietnam. So the U.S. can they often well it's been claimed that they think that's sort of a victory. The fact that seventy thousand 
Vietnamese so North Vietnamese soldiers were fighting in Laos instead of fighting in Vietnam. Um, they made them fight in Laos. Well, exactly. So that that's why they seem to think like they were taking them away from from North Vietnam. I don't know. I think it's very tough for Vietnam War. Yeah. The CAA um, were, as I said, doing everything it could to keep America's involvement in the war hidden from the public at home. Officials insisted, even when questioned by members of Congress or senior presidential staff, that the Laotians were running their own war and that the Hmong leader was his own man. No, he, he was not. Even after the war, the CAA refused to declassify reports and um, cables issued by its clandestine operatives in the country. And for years, uh, the former Hmong and CIA fighters would not discuss their experiences. So it's been called in America, it's known now as the Secret War. Um, ah. uh, the U- USA uh, got out of Laos in, and well, got out of Vietnam as well in 1975. So they basically cut a deal with North Vietnam, um, and that essentially left the people who were supporting in Laos to their own devices. Um, so they cut the Hmong, um, you know, rebel force, uh, the parliament, I think it's the royal Royalists, force. yeah. Yeah, they cut them adrift, basically leaving them to either make a deal with um, the the communist forces or, or, you know, fight on on their own or probably die on their own. 10,000... I've put ten thousands. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that. Um, is that how do I say that? Ten thousands, tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. It, tens of thousands of uh, the Hmong uh, would eventually flee late Lao. <laughs> this, like, this is like that time. What was that word that I just couldn't say? Can't it's happened a lot. To be fair, tens of thousands of Hmong. Someone's name. Would. <laughs> would eventually flee Laos, most ending up in camps in neighbouring Thailand. The communist, um, as I said, Pathet Lao, would take control of the country. 20,000 people um, have died as a result of the US bombing since the last bomb was dropped in 1973, and people are still dying today from the, uh, the effects, because basically... Uh, they dropped so many bombs that they were little cluster bombs, which I think they're trying to ban now. I don't know if they've banned. And they're supposed to explode on impact. But they don't, and they're still there. And they're still under the ground. That happens in Vietnam as well. Yeah. So the uh, so I was watching this. It was an American news. I can't remember which one it was, but they it was on YouTube. And they got they were in Laos, um, I think it was two years ago, and they sort of told people who'd like kids who had been met with yeah. bombs and they exploded on them and stuff and oh my gosh. and they talked to the minister of foreign affairs and he said that one third of the country is still contaminated by cluster bombs and he thought that um he predicted it would take another hundred years to clear it all up because two thirds of the country is mountainous so it's really difficult to, to how clear do you it even up. clear that up they were showing how so they were it was they were in a field these uh laotian officials and they have like detectors, so when you detect it, they, they basically manually detonate the bomb. Right. Um, so yeah, they would literally just go through a field and clearing off like we've walked through this bit, this bit's safe. Oh my gosh. Um, 
and there's certain areas which were bomb like more than others. I think there's mm-hmm. a. Oh, the Ho Chi Minh corridor. Yeah, yeah. In um, May 1997, the US finally acknowledged its role in the secret uh, war, erecting a memorial in honor of American and Hmong contributions to US uh, air and ground efforts during the conflict. Doesn't seem like the right memorial for me. No, I thought that. Um, The late Lao. (laughs) The Lao Memorial. Is located on the grounds of the Arlington National Cemetery between the John F. Kennedy Eternal Flame and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Barack Obama was the first sitting American president to visit the country, and he did a speech. He went there. quite a few places though, didn't he? Yeah. He was like the first one. Yeah. I, think. Um, I mentioned Cuba as well. Yeah, yeah. Like a few weeks ago, uh, and he did a speech whilst there, which I watched a bit of, and he sort of talked about America's impact. Um, the result of the intervention uh, by the US and other foreign countries in this civil war meant that Laos became the most heavily bombed country in history. Oh so my gosh. Sad um, like record that Laos holds as the most bombed country in history. Uh, and as um, one Laotian said, the bombs fell like rain. That's what um, Barack mm. Obama said. He documentary on Barack Obama called The Final Year involves him going to a country and I don't know where it is but it must be similar to like Laos and uh, Vietnam. Vietnam yeah and they were like quite nervous about him going and like they had to work on his speech loads because it's like quite a really sensitive subject and they're not very welcoming to Americans because of the atrocities because, yeah the way they've uh, acted in the past I think that's I don't know I understand why why they are, but it's not but it's not Barack Obama's fault, was it? No, but as a nation, yeah. I also think that if America's a particularly difficult nation because, like, the perfect example is that memorial that they put up, which was like mem- remembering people's contribution. But it's like so they're acknowledging the role in that war, but they're not acknowledging all the people who died and stuff. Mm. And I think it is a difficult. It was such a difficult time. I think. In like the nineteen seventies, when there's like the nineteen sixties and seventies, like the Cold War, the threat of communism, it just made like tensions yeah. really high. And I don't, I just think that people won't see it as they won't be like, oh, Barack Obama didn't do it. Yeah. Like he, like embodies Re- a yeah, nation represents it. that did it, mm-hmm. and a lot of them would still do it again probably, and that's their ideals, like they protect the American dream and stuff. Mm. That was a, a report on the. It was more on the U.S. involvement in the mm-hmm. in the life of civil, but but like I said, the is um, since then it's had had other problems with. Uh, I think, coup d'etats. Oh, about. has it? I think so. Yeah. Um, were Cambodia involved in any way in the this war or the Vietnam War? It's on the border, isn't it? It tends to be the three. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I don't know. I, a ton about uh, Cambodia, if I'm honest. Um, I had another question for you and I forgot. Oh, so you know, sim- like Agent Orange? Yes. Was that an issue in Laos? Um, I d- it didn't mention it, no. No. Um, in any of the things that I read. Um, it was tend- it tended to be the... Uh, the bombing. The bombing. It says here that there was a Cambodian-Vietnamese war from 1978 to 79. 
um, which was another another sort of forgotten war. Might be it. Mm-hmm. Might be talk for another day. But no, I don't know much about Cambodia. And I just didn't know if they were also involved or yeah. maybe. I didn't have a movie corner. You I had also you had a, a book corner yeah. with a with the tale of the hike. What hike? Yeah. Yeah. Or the Tyra. The tale of the hike, but it's about the Tyra clan. So next week we'll be back with another topic. Hopefully we a more cheerful one. I'll... Yeah, hopefully it was a bit well, bit deep today. Yeah, a couple of uh, well, it was civil war. But we can't avoid it in history, really. I know it's it's filled with these. History's pages are filled with these sorts of stories at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so if you would like to follow us on our social media, you can find us at Idiot History Pod on Twitter and at yeah. Idiot History Pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Or to search Idiot's Talk History on any of social media platforms, you'll find us on Facebook, you'll find us on Instagram and the aforementioned Twitter. Thanks for listening. You can leave a review on uh, iTunes or the Apple Podcast Store or whatever other podcast type you're listening to us on. And we've or got subscribe. Give us a little yeah, give us a subscribe, yeah. tell a friend. We've got a ton now of uh of previous episodes. I don't know what episode number this is, fifty nine maybe. Something yeah, along I'm those sure. lines. So you've got over fifty that you come back through and listen to. Mm-hmm. Some are more upbeat. Mm. Most are more upbeat. Most are we're a bit happier with the topics. Um, but come back next week. Like I said, we'll have a we'll have a brand new topic about some other different theme. Mhm. Definitely. We'll, we'll make it a happy one. Yeah. So we'll speak to you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.